Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. It's incredibly important in our spiritual walk with the Lord that we know how to do spiritual battle. And I think too often, especially in Bible churches, we talk a lot about our own problems, our own flesh, our desires to do wrong things and how that impacts us. We talk about the world and how the world influences us. But sometimes we kind of overlook the devil. We overlook the spiritual warfare, that whole aspect of the Christian life. In fact, sometimes I'll hear people say, well, why do we even need to talk about the devil in church? And what I want you to understand from the get-go here is that this is not some kind of devil-glorifying series whatsoever. What we want to do is to better understand our enemy so we can better fight against the forces of darkness. Basically, what you need to learn is the art of spiritual warfare. And I'd like to start with something that I find kind of interesting. If you were to ask me, what is the greatest deception of the devil? What's the greatest trick the devil has ever convinced so many people of? I would tell you that the greatest trick the enemy has ever pulled off is to convince so many people that he does not exist. Right? I mean, we may believe in God, but certainly there there are no forces of darkness out there. And if, if they are, they don't impact me in any way. I hope you understand that the devil is real. And he's not some little guy running around in a red suit with a tail, pitchfork, and horns. There's a very real spiritual battle going on every single day between the forces of good and the forces of evil. Our God is the God of light. The devil is the God, the little g God of darkness. Our God is truth. The devil is the father of all lies. Jesus came that we may have life, even life more abundantly. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible actually teaches us that our battle is not against flesh and blood. In other words, you're not in a battle with your mother-in-law, even though it may seem that way, okay? It's not it. You're not, your battle's not with your boss who drives you crazy. Our battle is against flesh and blood, not. It's not against that. We think it is. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against what? The powers, the principalities of this dark world. And so we're gonna dive into this topic and learn how to do spiritual battle, how to fight the evil one. And let me start by giving you a little backstory about these forces of darkness, these forces of evil. A lot of people don't realize it, but before the foundation of the world, God created archangels. He created Gabriel, created Michael, and he created this archangel known as Lucifer. And Lucifer was kind of a worshiping angel, beautiful, full of wisdom and glory. The problem was Lucifer became very jealous of God. God was getting the glory and Lucifer, who He wanted that glory. And so he fell into pride and essentially pitted himself against God because God says, I will not share my glory with anyone else. So when Lucifer wanted the attention, he got cast down from heaven. The Bible tells us that Lucifer took one third of the angels with him. Those are known as the demons that we still do battle with today. Now, what does this matter to you? Well, you have to understand that because you were created in the image of God and because the devil hates God, he's continually coming after you. It's not if he attacks, he's attacking right now. And this series is designed to help you in the art of spiritual warfare. And I believe with all my heart that the devil will try to keep you from hearing this. You watch, next week there'll be something that'll come up to distract you. Even more so, I believe the devil will try to keep you from living this. 
That's why it's so important that we don't just hear God's word, but we live it every single day. I love what C.S. Lewis had to say. This is what C.S. Lewis said. There is no neutral ground in the universe. There's no neutral ground. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. So the art of war. Let me show you where we're going to go over the next three weeks in this series. Today, we're going to talk about one quality of the evil one, that the evil one, the devil, is known as a deceiver. Satan is the deceiver who attacks your mind with lies. That's what he does. He attacks your mind with lies. He attacks you. He tries to lie to you to pull you away from God's truth. Next week, we're going to talk about the devil as the accuser. He's the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. You're not good enough. You never will be good enough for God. He's continually bombarding you with accusations in your life. And then in the third week, I'm going to teach you from a text that probably most of you have never heard a sermon on before. Okay, it talks about the devil as the destroyer. Satan is the destroyer who attacks your will with pride. He's the deceiver who attacks your mind with lies. He's the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. And he's the destroyer who attacks your will with pride. So let's start with the deceiver. This is what Jesus says about Satan in John 8, Listen up. He, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth. For there is how much truth in him? No truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Anytime he speaks, he's lying. Someone said, how do you know if the devil's lying? You know the devil's lying if, in the words of Megan Trainer, his lips are moving, right? He cannot speak the truth. He always lies. In fact, this was his very first strategy to attack Eve in the Garden of Eden. And what we're actually going to see here is that he attacks the authority of God's word with his lies. Now, that is crazy interesting to me. Satan shows up in the Garden of Eden in the physical form of a serpent. And this is Lucifer. This is the evil one. He comes and he deceives Eve. How did he do it? He did it by attacking the authority of God's word. Now think about this. There are so many different ways that the serpent could have tried to pull Eve away from God. I mean, he could have tried to prey on her insecurity, right? He could have said, and this is my snake, okay? This is the best I can do. So just work with me on this, all right? <clears throat> Been practicing all week. You should have seen it earlier. It's not too bad. Yeah, he could have said, hey, hey, Eve, you know, Adam doesn't really love you. He's sick and tired about hearing about your feelings all the time, blah, blah, blah. He just wants to go in his man cave, like literally, right? <laughs> yeah, and stay there forever. He liked it better when it was just him and the animals. He wants his rib back. I don't know, what, whatever. <laughs> There's all sorts of ways Satan could have tried to show up <laughs> and, and create questions, right? All these different ways, but what did he do? He attacked the word of God. And he did it in two different ways. First of all, the deceiver questioned God's word. Questioned God's word. Genesis 3.1, he, the serpent, said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Right? Did God really say? Notice the deceiver did not deny that God had spoken. Instead, he simply questioned that God had spoken. This is exactly what the deceiver does today. He'll try to question 
right? To plant seeds of doubt. I mean, do you really believe that the Bible is a book from God? Surely you're smarter than that. I mean, you're not so naive as to believe that there was a creator who just spoke things into existence. Surely you're intellectual enough to know that everything kind of went boom and was created out of of nothing. Just something just went boom and it all came together, right? I mean, you're not so naive as to believe that there was this all-powerful creator, God. Not you, Not, not for today. I mean, maybe hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago. We've evolved past all that. And besides, if there really is a God and if he really loves you, he'll let you do whatever you want. He didn't tell you not to. He didn't say that to you. See, the deceiver gets you to question God's word. He questions God's word to get you to question God's word. And evidently, Eve started to question God's word from the get-go. Let me show you why I believe this to be true. It's because God told Eve that she could eat freely. Say that word freely with me. Freely. Okay, say it again. Freely. Now check this out. God said, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. Eat that, eat that, eat that. Just not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Eat freely from everything else. Just not that one. I love you. You're blessed. There's freedom. Just not that one. But then when Eve started to dialogue with the devil, she left out one key word. See if you can notice what she left out. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. What word did she leave out? She left out freely, didn't she? Implying perhaps that God was holding out on her. Oh, there's more. Not only that, that which God says no to is is probably that which is going to bring me the greatest fulfillment, the greatest satisfaction. The moment Eve started to question the goodness of God, it was easier to disobey the will of God. In fact, you can write that down. When you start to question the goodness of God, it's easier to disobey the will of God. The moment Satan started to question God's word, Eve started to wonder, hmm, is God really good? The deceiver questioned God's word. Second thing the deceiver did is the deceiver twisted God's word. He twisted God's word. Eve says, we can eat from any tree except that one or we're gonna die. And then the serpent says in verses four and five, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Did you catch that? You will be like God. Did you know that that's exactly what Lucifer wanted? To be just like God. And what's interesting to me in the way he twists the word is that Eve was already created in the image of God. She was already a reflection of the very heart of God. And yet the serpent comes along, the deceiver comes along, and he twists, twists, twists. Hmm, did God really say that you could be like God? It's exactly what the deceiver does today over and over again. He twists the word. Oh, oh, God is love. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But then he twists it. God is love, so he'll understand. I just do whatever you want. Besides, the scripture says, thou shalt not judge. Nobody can judge you for what you're doing. It's your life. You can do whatever you want with your life. He'll forgive you anyway. He wants you to be happy. Do whatever makes you happy. He attacks the authority of God's word. And here's what I really, really, really hope you'll get. People hear me on this. You are under attack. You're under attack. The evil one is coming after your family. He's coming after your finances. Perhaps coming after your health maybe coming after your children, you are under attack. You're under attack. 
And let me just say this. If someone breaks into my house and comes after my family, what, what do you think I'm going to do? I mean, when my kids were little, I had a plan. I had thought through this. I have seen all the Taken films, right? They're my favorite. <laughs> Liam Neeson, man, he is the man, okay? I had a plan. If somebody comes into my house, come after my family, I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to sit in my bedroom and go, oh, I hope he doesn't go down the kids' hallway. Oh, Wendy, quick, do something, right? No. In a flash, I'm going to be transformed into some combination of Liam Neeson, Rambo, Jackie Chan, Jason Bourne, and Popeye the Sailor Man or something, right? Right? Work with me on this. I'll fight to the finish because I eat my... Yeah, okay. <laughs> Can't even finish that. Okay, 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 okay. I'm, I'm not kidding, man. I will, I don't know, I'll take a lamp and turn it into a martial arts weapon, right? I may look goofy in my boxers, but you'll see fierce like you've never seen fierce before. I'm saying, you come after, you better have 10 men and automatic weapons because I will fight you to the death. Right? You hurt me, you take me out, you kill me. I'm your worst horror movie. I'm coming back from the dead to fight you. <laughs> Say, uh-uh, Jesus, I'm going back for round two. Pearly gates look great, but send me back. You ain't touching my family. Well, every now and then we gotta wake up, people. We got to recognize, oh man, I was like spiritually dull. I didn't realize it. We're at battle here. There's a war going on. Not today, devil. Not in my house, not my family, not my finances, not my health. Uh-uh. Satan, you have no place here. I fight back. How do I fight back? In the power of the name of Jesus. I fight back in the name that's above every name, the name at which every demon must flee. You know what I've learned to do? I actually quote James 4, 7. Check this out. It says, submit yourselves then to God. That's where you start, right? This is not in your own power. This starts with God. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's an imperative. That's a command. When's the last time you ever resisted the devil? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. There's power in God's word. So fight, people. Fight. Fight back. Wake up. You know? I'm not going to sit back, tolerate this, hope it gets better, and just go, oh, is it ever going to get better? Is it ever going to get No. Uh-uh. Not in my house, not this Jesus follower. I know who I am in Christ. And I know that the very power that raised Christ from the dead is living inside of me. No, 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 no. You're in a battle. You're in a battle. Recognize it. Now let's talk about this battle. This battle is not against flesh and blood. All right, that's the good news. So that means we're not fighting with earthly weapons here. We have spiritual weapons. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 6. He says what? You've got the spiritual armor of God. You've got the helmet of salvation. You've got the breastplate of righteousness. You've got the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the evil one. You've got the belt of truth. You've got the shoes prepared with the gospel, the readiness of peace. And you have one, hear me on this, one offensive weapon. You know what it's called? It's called the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hmm. Your only offensive weapon is the word of God. Folks, I hope you understand. The Bible is, is not some little book just to teach you how to be nice and kind. The word of God is your greatest offensive weapon. Wielded against the forces of darkness in every spiritual battle you fight, it is the sword of the spirit. Now you do a little historical research. There were two types of swords that were used back in that day. One of them was a really large sword that you would wield with both hands. After David killed Goliath, he took that kind of sword and cut off Goliath's head. <laughs> kind of cocky, but you know, that's what he did. Now there was another sword that was shorter, okay? A little smaller, sharp on both edges. It was known as the gladius. 
used in hand-to-hand combat. When your enemy got close, you would draw the gladius. That was the sword that you would use, which I just have to say, every time I think of the gladius, I think of the gladiator, right? That's what it makes me think of, which makes me think of, tell us your name, right? And his response, guys, if you want to join me here, feel free. My name is what? Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix legions, my loyal servant to the one true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Come on, man, where are you, right? <laughs> Come on, man, I know you feel it. I know you, ladies, I know you're confused. Man, I know you're feeling it right now. What we do on earth echoes in eternity, right? Maybe we should pause right now just to honor God for the greatest film ever, right? I don't know, thank you. Anyhow, where was I? The Gladius, okay. I can't help but think of that. That's a great movie. Anyhow, double-edged sword, sharper than any double-edged sword, the Gladius. Hebrews 4.12 tells us, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It's how we do battle against the evil one. It's how we fight back with the spoken word of God. It's the sword of the spirit. You don't believe me? Do you realize that this is how Jesus did battle? Remember Jesus in the wilderness, fighting against Satan, fasting 40 days and 40 nights. He's communing with his heavenly father, right? He's seeking God, denying himself physical nutrition. I mean, you know, he's weak. I skip lunch and I get grumpy. I get weak. 40 days, 40 nights, probably his most vulnerable physical moment. What did the devil do? He attacked Jesus when he was weak. He attacks. Some of you say, well, I haven't been attacked in a long time. Maybe it's because you're not doing anything, right? Because when you do something, the devil attacks. Telling you, when you're bold for your faith, the devil attacks. When you're generous with what you have, the devil attacks. When you're using your gifts to serve someone, make a difference somewhere, the devil attacks. Jesus is busy glorifying God and the devil attacks and he comes in three waves. Wave one, wave two, and wave three. You may remember these. Attack wave number one. Satan says, hey, hey Jesus, you look a little hungry there. God loves you, right? He's the miraculous God. Why, why don't you turn these stones into biscuits and gravy? Right? It's the new Brian version. <clears throat> into Krispy Kreme donuts. Mm, Wouldn't that be good? He says, turn them into bread. What did Jesus do? He drew the sword. said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Attack wave number two comes. Satan says, hey, Jesus, why don't you throw yourself off this cliff here? This cliff, because scripture says, and he twists it a bit, God will send his angels to come and rescue you. And again, Jesus draws the gladius. Draws his sword and says, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil comes at him again, attack wave number three. Okay, Jesus, how about this one? Take a look over there, all the kingdoms of this world. I'll give you all that if you'll just bow down and worship me. It can all be yours. It can be all about you. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Again, he pulls the living word, the sword of the spirit. This is what he says. It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil fled and the angels of God came and ministered to him. It's the sword of the spirit. David says this in uh, Psalm 119. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In other words, your word is a part of me. It dwells inside of me. 
Now, you need to ask the question, how do you get the Word hidden in your heart? Folks, you've got to read the Word. You've got to think about the Word. You've got to meditate on the Word. You've got to memorize the Word. And if I can just be really honest, the problem for so many Christians is they don't even know where their sword is. Right? You don't know where your sword is. It's around here somewhere. Maybe it's in my bedroom, in a drawer, maybe on the bookshelf. I saw it last time we dedicated someone at church. It's around here somewhere. Or maybe it's actually on your mobile device, which is really cool. If it's not, it probably should be. But I talked to so many Christians, and, and you, know, you know where your Instagram is, right? You, you know where your news app is, your sports app, you know, whatever, Snapchat. Where, where's the Bible? It's, it's in there somewhere. It's in some folder. You, know, you don't know where your sword is. You don't know where the, your only offensive weapon is. And it goes beyond that. Listen to me here. Before the word can come out of your mouth, it has to be hidden in your heart. It has to be hidden in your heart. So what should we do? Well, you know, on the first day of the week, we gather here as a church to worship God. With the first of every financial increase, we should worship God through giving. And at the first of every day, let me just encourage you, open up your heart to God in prayer and open up the word and let God speak to you. Say, so what does the word do? Oh, wow. Let me tell you what the word does. The word of God, first of all, it convicts us when we go astray. The Word of God directs us into God's will. The Word of God comforts us when we're hurting. The Word of God encourages us to become who we are in Christ. The Word of God is our spiritual bread. It nourishes our soul. It strengthens us. It changes us to become who God wants us to be. Let me just urge you to make the Word of God a part of your daily routine. And maybe every single morning before you do anything else, open up the Bible, click on that Bible app. If you don't like reading, let, let it read to you. Yeah, there are apps out there that can just speak the word to you. You version is one of them. You know, just let it speak the verse to you. God says the word is living, it's powerful, it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. What do we do? When we're in battle, we gotta draw the gladius. We gotta draw that sword. Let me just give you some examples that I jotted down for you. Just some examples of how you can use this. Maybe the next time you're feeling a little depressed, you quote the word, you say, why my soul are you downcast? Put your hope in God. You know, when your family's under attack, what do you say? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And when you think I can't make it another day, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. When the diagnosis is not good, I believe with God, all things are possible. When you're not sure what you're gonna do, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Maybe you feel ashamed after something you've done. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When your marriage is under attack, what do you do? Right, you draw the sword. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. See, you fight for your marriage. You're at war, people, wake up. Not today, devil, not today. You're not gonna rob me of the blessings that God has given to me. You know, if you think for a moment that the devil is just some cute little guy running around in a Halloween costume, 
You probably also think that Jesus is then some tender little hippie carrying a staff and a lamb around his shoulders or something. Now, Jesus is love, but he's also righteous. He's full of grace, but you know what? He is coming back in judgment. And when he returns, according to Revelation 1, John says this, his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty oceans. He held seven stars in his right hand and a, say it with me, what? A sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. Hmm. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. A sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. What's he doing? He's speaking the word. He is doing spiritual battle. Let's review. The devil is a liar. Jesus is the truth. The devil's a liar. Jesus is the truth. You know, anytime you sin against God, you're essentially believing one of Satan's lies. But when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. When you know the truth, the truth sets you free. So the next time the devil tries to come at you with one of those lies, simply quote that verse. You know what? I submit myself to God. I resist you, devil, in the name of Jesus. And you must flee. I know God's word. It is written. I know who I am in Christ. I know what I have in Christ. I'm not fighting for victory, devil. I am fighting from victory. You're a defeated foe because greater is he who's in me than he who is in the world. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I know that as we open up this topic that the enemy is not going to be pleased. As we expose the tactics of the evil one and how he likes to just try to hide and, and pretend he's not even there and his emissaries, his forces are, are not bothering us at all. But when he gets exposed, then he comes out and he attacks. And Lord, I know even this week, having, having this lady that came to our church, drove from two hours away, coming out of a satanic cult, and I got the opportunity to share Christ with her. And, and I see how the enemy works. I see that these things are real that this is truth. And God, we so often, we focus on our own problems and we have them. There's plenty of issues with our own flesh. We focus on the, the evils of the world and how they influence us. But sometimes we forget that there's an enemy who is energizing all that. He is the father of all lies. So God, I pray that this week especially, we would be mindful of the fact that the deceiver, that the deceiver has come to lie to us. And God, I pray that we would learn to resist, to, to use the sword, the word of God. To in those moments when maybe these lies are floating through our head, we could say, God, I submit to you. I resist the devil knowing he must flee. And God, I pray that in every situation, we would learn to use the truth, to wield the sword of the spirit, the, the gladius, that we would know your word so that we could counter these lies that, that come into our head this day in and day out. And God, we recognize that this is not some kind of power struggle, that this is not a holy water thing. It's not a physical struggle. It's a mind battle. It's what's going on in our head. It's a battle between truth and lies. And when we know the truth and when we live in the truth and when we trust the truth, then we find freedom. But when we buy into these lies, the enemy gets a stronghold in our life. He, he gets 
the ability to, to fool us, to deceive us, and it causes us to go down the wrong path that we don't need to be going down. So God, speak to my brothers and sisters, speak to myself as we go through each and every day. I pray that we would do every moment with you and lean on you and that we would know your word, that we would recognize that the Bible is our offensive weapon and we would use it appropriately. It's in Jesus' name we pray.